have a question for you. This is a really important question. How many people have found fun in sinning? Have you found some fun in sinning? Um, uh, maybe you don't want to clap because you know what happens afterwards. Um, what is he talking about? Our, this is about Jesus. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, today I want to let you know that, that we, we go on this struggle, right? We have this sin nature. We've been going through the book of Romans. We're on Romans chapter 6 today. So don't worry. We're going to be rooted in God's word. We're actually going to be going through line by line, verse by verse. Romans chapter 6, so if you have your Bibles. But the, the Apostle Paul talked about this struggle that he had. That He goes, the things that I want to do... I don't do the things that I want to do, I don't do. And he's like the struggle of, you know, the sin nature. And today I thought it would be really uh, great to have um, somebody share a story with us of their own life, of understanding what happens when we find sin pleasurable for a season, but then it comes crashing down upon us. But would you welcome Molly Mae Washington? And you grab that microphone there on the way by, that one standing up. So Molly May, and actually she's just been with our kids ministry, so thank you for coming out and being able to share your story. But Molly May, just tell us a little bit of your story. Good morning, everyone. This is Anne. Good morning, Molly May. Here we go. Excellent. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Molly Mae Washington. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am the daughter of the one true king. I struggle with codependency. I struggle with people pleasing. I struggle with combat related PTSD, um, emotional eating. Oh, I could stand here for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that I'm overcame greed um, and selfishness and I had a really bad problem with pilfering. Um, so the reason that I'm here this morning, I guess, is just to tell you for a few minutes about how greed and sin felt good, but it was very, very temporal. Um, 10 years ago, as a registered nurse, I embezzled a lot of money from my employer to the tune of getting sentenced to five to seven years in state prison. You wouldn't think it, little Molly May. <laughs> But um, yeah, I liked landscapers and granite countertops and ski trips to Telluride. Um, oh, I loved going to the Natick Mall and shopping at Nordstrom. Oh, it was wonderful. It felt really, really good. It felt terrific. I had a nanny. I was living on cloud nine with a paid for house. And then I was convicted. What I was doing was not right, wasn't in my character, and the state of New Hampshire sentenced me to five years in prison. So the whole entire time I was incarcerated, I was very, very angry. I didn't think I deserved to be there um, because I had made my amends, I had stopped embezzling money, I was living righteously at that point. And I met a few faces there. So Pastor Richie was there every week, Sue and John. Carol Clifford had done Women Celebrate Recovery. Who am I missing? Maggie and, Maggie and Pastor Bill. I swear, after three and a half years in prison, I said, I am never coming to Grace Capital Church. 
I don't want to see those people. The guilt and the shame, because that's not who I was. I didn't want to show my face. But I said, okay, let me go check out the Celebrate Recovery. I didn't even want to go to Celebrate Recovery while I was incarcerated. Because those women were below me. They were there with drug and alcohol problems. But little did I know, my sin is no different than their sin. We're all at the base of the cross together. My addiction was different than their addiction. Okay? So I showed up to Grace Capital Church. Here I am three and a half years later. No one's even mentioned my incarceration. No one's even talked about knowing me from being incarcerated. And it's the tools that I've been given at Celebrate Recovery to confess I have a problem, admit that I'm powerless, find a sponsor, um, pay amends, right? Amends is not just the money I'm paying back for the rest of my life and the loss of my 401k and my home and my retirement, but it's having to apologize to the people that I hurt and I lied to, right? So I guess I'm here just to tell you, don't judge a book by its cover. There's restoration in Jesus. Like when you're walking the walk, like not just because I was hot air for uh, many, many years, but when you're walking the walk and you have good people in your corner and you're giving it to God and you're not just doing it for yourself and making your own choices, oh, it feels so much better to live righteously and do it the right way than just to have very, very temporal fun because sin was fun. It felt terrific but not when I was sitting there for four years without my children. Yeah. Minus a husband. So here I am. He's well, Molly May, Molly May, thank you so much. Actually, I'll have you take that here. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter six. Because... I love, thank you for the courage, Molly, to share your story. Amen. You know, we all have a story. We all like to pretend that we don't have stuff in our life from our past, but we do. We have a story and we have a past. And, um, and we've experienced that sin is fun for a season, but it always comes with great bondage, hurt, and pain. I want to let you know that, yes, you know that, but I, I think the other part of that story that's so important is, is the redemption of Jesus Christ. We sang about it today, the, that Jesus is the center of it all. In the center of Molly May's story is rooted in people who brought her to Christ and who loved on her regardless of her past mistakes. And that's the beauty of a church. If you are here and you're just saying, you know what, if somebody knew, they probably wouldn't allow me to be here. And I would say, you're in the perfect place. Because actually, this is the place that we can belong. And we can even belong before you believe. You might not even be in a relationship with Jesus yet. But I want to encourage you. Jesus is the one who can remove your guilt and shame of your past mistakes. If you're currently struggling, if you're currently still um, bound in some sin in your life, I just want to encourage you that, that keep giving it to Jesus. He wants to walk you into places of freedom. That's what we're going to talk about today. Dead to sin, alive to God. So if you have your Bibles or your app, we're going to read this together. I also want to encourage you. Um, we're here at Grace Capital Church to help you get ready to meet Jesus face to face. 
It, it will happen one um, time in your life, whether you pass in this life and you have a chance to meet him face to face, or he returns, which I'm feeling like the times are getting pretty uh, ramped up here for his return. But, uh, but we're going to do that by, by equipping you to reach lost, care for the least, and train the found. That's what we're here to help you with. Romans chapter 6 says this. What shall we say then? We are to continue to sin that grace may abound. Now, I want to remind you, last week we talked about that where sin was, where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. That's the end of chapter 5. So he's picking up, um, the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome is picking up this right here. And, and I think this is the, the challenge. Do we keep on sinning knowing that grace, his grace is sufficient? Or do we realize that actually sin has a consequence that is actually robbing us? We're going to find that out. By no means, by no means do we keep sinning. How can we who died to sin still live to it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I love that scripture because it really symbolizes what water baptism is all about. Um, by the way, if you don't get our newsletter, you want to go to our website and sign up for that. This week, I am going to send you a hilarious video of a kid being baptized. Um, so you, you want to get it. I, I was going to show you today, but I was like, it's better for me just to send you a link to the YouTube clip on that. But this is what happens when we're baptized. We're saying that our old person... Our sinful nature is dying with Christ, like Christ went on the cross, put in the grave, going under the water is symbolic of like going to the grave, coming up as a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, right? And so we're putting off our sin and then coming up as a new creation. Now, do we still struggle? Absolutely. But what he's saying is we, we've changed what we live for. Listen to that. We change what we live for. The struggle is real and probably the struggle will be for your whole life to lesser degrees as you mature in the Lord. But, but what you live for changes. You die to your own self. You die to your own selfishness. You die to your old ways. You are now living for Christ. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in death like this, why water baptism is so important is symbolic. But when we've gone to these waters of baptize, baptism, it's like we've died to ourself. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Uh, there's a theme that Paul brings out here in the scripture about um, who's reigning in your life and what part are you a slave to. There's a scripture that talks about that when sin is fully mature, right, there, you can dabble a little bit, but dabbling becomes um, greater and then entrapment and then addiction or whatever that sin is. But, but when it comes to full fruition, you become a slave to it. You no longer control it. It controls you. And this is what happens. And this is what Jesus is saying. I've come to set you free 
from the ensnarement and the enslavement of sin. You no longer have to live for sin. Sin no longer has the dominion in your life. For once we have died, sorry, for, for one who has died has been free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider, can you say that word consider? Consider, we're going to go back there for a moment. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word consider is quite fascinating for me in this scripture because it, it makes you realize that even though you still might be struggling, even though you still might uh, be tempted and maybe even give in to temptation, you realize that you've considered yourself dead to sin. You, you, you mentally, that consideration starts with a mental and then it moves into an action to say, you know what, sin does not have dominion in my life. Even if you give in to it for a moment, you, you quickly turn. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. That confession brings it to the light, and then it, that power no longer, has, uh, it no longer has power in your life. But consider yourself dead to sin. And I think that's, that's the, the other interesting thing. I think sometimes we feel like we're supposed to be so righteous that when we mess up, that somehow... Like God's disappointment, other people's disappointment. And yes, I would say from a parent, if my, if my child does something that is hurting him or somebody else in a sinful way, does, would I be disappointed? And I'd be like, yeah, I would want better for them. But, but as a dad, I would draw them closer and to say, hey, let's learn from that. Let's, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Let's learn from that. We're in this together. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define you. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. So here's the, here's the two parts of it. If you're just considering yourself dead to sin, you're going to get very religious and you'll get legalistic. But when you're alive to Christ, you realize that this is what you're living for. You're not living for sin, but you're living for Jesus Christ. A bunch of rules without Jesus becomes dead religion. And if you've been a part of any um, movement or church or what have you that, or even in your own life, you're just like, rules, sometimes following rules feel safe, but rules without a relationship, all it is, is is dead and legalism in your life. It won't produce fruit. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Here's another interesting word, reign. Can you say reign? That term is, it's not raining down, it's rain meaning is uh, ruling, right? So like a king reigns over a land. That word rain is, is something that rules. Let not therefore, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. In other words, don't let it rule you to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been bought from death to life. 
who've been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. There's a great um, scripture that, it, that kind of goes along with this um, in 2 Timothy 2, 20. It talks about containers. In a house, there are many containers. Some are gold and some are wood. Some are used for noble purposes and some are used for ignoble purposes, the scripture says. Back then, they would have bedpans, right? Or not pans, but buckets for getting rid of the waste. And that would be an ignoble purpose. Other ones, they'd have gold vessels for important things. And and really what they're saying is that you are a vessel that God wants to use you for noble purposes. That God wants to use you for incredible things to bring his kingdom here to earth. Remember Jesus' prayer, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to know what your life's purpose is, it's saying whatever is in heaven, I want to see that here on earth. That's why we believe in healing. That's why we believe in the miraculous. That's why we believe in in everything that Jesus was about. You look at Jesus' life and he modeled for us how to see the kingdom come here to earth. But he wants your life to, to, who's reigning who? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he the King of kings, Lord of lords? Or does sin reign? Now, for those of you who are Christians, you would say, hey, I, I know that battle Paul goes on to the next chapter. Next week, we're going to go there. That battle of like, this is the things I want to do, but I don't do it. And and that struggle, right? But when you begin to say, who are you living for? Are you living for yourself and your own selfishness, um, satisfying the desires of your flesh? Or are you living for Jesus? To say that, yeah, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And when I struggle, I bring it to you, Jesus. You don't fight the battle on your own. You bring it to Jesus who fights for you. By the way, I want to encourage you that, that as I'm speaking to you today, there's going to be words that I say that are saying, like, how did he know he's talking about me? <laughs> he's talking right to me. I, I don't know you, your story. I know you. I don't know your stories. But that's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. You want to take note of those things. Write it down. When I've said something that's like all of a sudden grabs a hold of you, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. And he's wanting, to, he's wanting to bring you somewhere, and he's talking to you, and he's trying to help you move. So I'd encourage you to write some of these things down. Verse 15, it says this, What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the, what's, what the law does. All the law does is it judges you. Right? It, the law... Is, is good and important laws of the land, but even, even spiritual laws of Old Testament. But the law by itself only puts up a mirror to say when you do something wrong, it judges you to say you've done something wrong. But under grace, it's kind of like, hey, we, you've done something wrong, but we, you have forgiveness and you have grace and you have mercy and you can come close to Jesus as opposed to feeling like you've got to run away from Jesus and, and, and pay all these penalties. He's saying, I've actually died on the cross for you. you. You are free. But he's saying, you're not under the law, but you're under grace. And so it's like, do I sin? Do I not sin? It says, don't. By no means. Don't keep sinning. 
Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Molly May's story. Her sin led to having her freedom taken away. And I love that part of that story because even though that was a physical being in prison, her freedom was taken away. Sin will always rob you of your freedom. It, the, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So, so you not only are battling with your own flesh, but you have a spiritual force that's going after you, knowing your weaknesses as well. That's why Jesus Christ needs to rule and reign in your life, that you need to stay close to him, stay close to his word, in his word, and you need to pursue righteousness. Right? This is what he's saying. Become slaves to righteousness. Now, we don't like that word slave. We, don't, we think it's somehow demeaning. But really what it means is we are, in this context, we are choosing to, to have our submission and ownership to Jesus Christ and submission to pursue righteousness. Righteousness is a choice. So isn't sin. But eventually sin no longer becomes a choice for you because it becomes the ruler over your life. But righteousness, we need to continue to pursue righteousness, Paul says. I'm speaking to you in human terms because of your natural limitation. So basically saying he's making spiritual cases, but he's kind of making it in simple terms for us. Thank you, Paul, very much. We are simpletons. We need simple um, answers here. I am speaking in uh, human terms. Okay. For just as you once were uh, pre-sentenced, your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. All right, there's another good word for us, sanctification. You don't need to repeat that one. Sanctification, that really is meaning set apart for. Set apart for. God is wanting your life to be set apart, to be used by him for great things to bring the kingdom of God here to earth. Right? These, this is the container analogy, the, the noble versus ignoble. He's basically saying, I have purposed you. When you run away from sin, when you pursue righteousness, you realize that it's a journey of sanctification, meaning it's a journey of righteousness, and it's a journey of being set apart, but the idea is set apart for to be used by. Set apart for to be used by. And this idea of used by, it's like God never forces himself upon you. But I'll tell you what, we're life, we're joy, we're peace, where purpose and satisfaction come is when we say, I want to live for Jesus. And then he gives, he starts putting your, your uh, life on a certain pathway and a track. And it begins to see that, wow, God, you had this stuff for me. But I guarantee you, when you were living for your own selfishness and you're living in your own sinful ways, you had no clue of that picture. You were enslaved to sin. But when you're moving towards sanctification, moving towards this place of being set apart, God says, I'm here for you. I want to use you. Verse 20, 
For, for when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. That, that's an interesting way of just basically saying that, that you had a choice in that, right? You were, when you were a slave to sin, righteousness wasn't really a pursuit of yours. Righteousness was floating out there. It was free. You weren't pursuing righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? I love that, that sentence right there. Molly May, what fruit was produced in her life from pursuing greed? It was fun for a season. Homes, cars, shopping, living a lavish lifestyle. But what did it produce? It produced guilt, shame, incarceration, enslavement, not seeing your kids for four or five years. It's awfully quiet in here. <laughs> Can I just encourage you in this moment to consider that you don't need to live for sin? Just consider God's heart for you, to love you, to care for you in the midst of the places that you are. And, and I would just consider, would you pursue righteousness? Because he's saying, I want it to produce something in your life. He says, for sin, verse 21, for the end of sin is, of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, everybody say hallelujah, set free from sin. Hallelujah, you're set free from sin. You are set free from sin. Even if you're struggling right now, you are set free from sin because of the work of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's get it riled up here. Come on. You are set free from sin. No longer a slave. No longer bound by it. Now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oswald Chambers, I'm going to end in this quote. Oswald Chambers uh, has a great devotional out there, but he quoted... He says this quote here. God wants to use us as he used his own son. God wants to use us like he used his own son. You look at Jesus' life. It's like, oh, that's Jesus. Of course God used Jesus in that way, the son of God. I want to say that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you, I'm looking at you purposely in the eyes <laughs> because he has a plan for you. But as long as you allow sin to rule and reign, it drives you and it compels you into things that place you into bondage, hurt, and pain. And, and yes, I'm talking to Christians. But when we pursue Jesus and his righteousness... 
you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find hope. You're going to find greater peace. You're going to find greater things of who Jesus is in your life. Look at all the amazing thing that Jesus did. And guess what? We have the spirit of Jesus residing in us as Christians. When you ask Jesus into your life, his spirit now dwells inside of you. I do know the battle is fierce and will continue to be fiercer as the time goes on. As the enemy knows his time is coming to the close, he will continue to put his thumb of temptation over you and the spiritual battle will be more intense. But even more reason why we must pursue his righteousness. In this season, in this time, be in God's word. Let him rule and reign in your life. Be sanctified. Say no to sin. He'll give you the ability to say no. Run the opposite direction. Run to Jesus as you run away from those things that so easily ensnare us. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.